Lingua Britannica is a podcast that uses ethnographic interviews to study language use in the extreme metal community. We are studying a music scene known for its love of themes and topics generally considered offensive, and it is likely that some episodes will touch on topics or opinions some listeners may find tasteless or ethically problematic. Ethnographic researchers aim to adopt the interviewee's point of view so that we can draw out and study the attitudes, beliefs, and practices that are important to them. We want to make it clear that in presenting these conversations here, we do not endorse any of their content. Our aim is to explore the thought processes behind language use in this long-running, international and yet understudied scene. Welcome back to Lingua Britannica with me, Jess Bunny-Smith, and my co-host, Wes Robertson. Hello. Uh, this is now episode 11, featuring our first Canadian interviewee, Oliver Alleron, uh, the vocalist of the band Arch Spy, who are based out of Vancouver, that's right. How's it going, eh? Yeah. Out of Vancouver. <laughs> How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Yeah, doing awesome. Uh, yeah, I went to buy a suit today. Uh, that's why I was late <laughs> for the interview, um, because I'm unemployed currently because of COVID, so I thought I buying a suit and wearing a suit every day was a good unemployed look so that's what I was doing today yeah yeah <laughs> selling that dress for the job you want right exactly yeah. yeah yeah starting off as we always do assuming uh someone had never heard of Arch Spy before uh how would you describe their music uh annoying <laughs> <laughs> no. um I, I would say it's uh it's complex and extreme, and I would have to use the term technical as a sort of our catchphrase is uh, the stay tech catchphrase um, that's just derived from basically um, taking an, you know, a subgenre of a subgenre of music and elevating it um, and making it even more obscure, um, but just really <laughs> trying to break it down and focus on each individual element to create something that's more complex and more orchestrated as a total. Um, so that, that's how I describe Archspire is, uh, sort of a more composed version of a classic death metal band. Okay. Yeah. And was the kind of music the first, was that style, what you first started listening to when you started listening to extreme metal or metal, or did you start with something else and kind of move towards this, uh, more technical? Um, that, it's an embarrassing question, but, but yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I didn't start with that, uh, extreme subgenre, um, as most, yeah, I, I feel like most people don't really, um, mm. I, Mostly, I, I listened to a wide range of music at an early age, which I thought was really beneficial. Um, I don't know if you guys remember those CD clubs that you could yeah. mail away and get CDs. Yeah. So my dad was all about that. And he would just get everything. Like he would get a Baroque, you know, compact disc, like a box set. And then he'd get like a Limp Biscuit album or whatever. <laughs> so I got this wide range of, uh, of influence. And so I really started like, you know, listening to heavy bands like the um, like the Melvins and Butthole Surfers and mm. uh, and Nirvana, obviously, um, and Deftones. So really not super extreme, but for the time, like, you know, kind of uh, cutting edge, for lack of a better term. Uh, and it wasn't until I was about 16 or so that I heard uh, Cryptopsy. That's also a Canadian band. Um, they're from Quebec. And that was the most extreme thing I'd ever heard. But there was nothing else really like I, I heard that. And then I was listening to Ice Cube and and, uh, <laughs> and NWA and stuff. So 
I didn't really grasp it, but I loved the, the emotion of it and how extreme it was. And it sort of sat on the table as just this uh, alien sort of music for, for quite a while until I started digging into that genre and discovering other bands that were, were like them, you know? Um, wow, I yeah. think that's our first mention of Cryptopsy in, the, <laughs> in this podcast. <laughs> Pretty obscure. It's actually the first band I went to see live. Really? Oh, yeah. They were they were our you know Canadian <laughs> heroes. They were just so extreme. Um, I, uh, when I was I got to see them when I was like sixteen, and I wore um, like I used my brother's ID because he was older, so I used <laughs> and he looked exactly the same. So I shaved my head at the time. I wasn't bald, but I shaved my head uh, and put on like a tank top to try to look older uh, and snuck <laughs> in. And um, the singer Lord Worm, who I don't know if you guys are familiar with Lord Worm. Yeah, but he actually he literally eats worms on stage. Mm -hmm. So I got to eat one of his worms, which is <laughs> disgusting. Um, and then I asked him about how he did his vocals, and he does uh, an inhale technique, where he he inhales instead of exhaling and creates this big like car screech kind of sound. Um, and I and he taught me how to do it just in the crowd, like just after the show. Um, and so I just practiced it from there. Um, and he was actually also an English teacher, which is uh, fun. <laughs> <enough>. <laughs> huh. Yeah. And so that was a big influence for me because he had really good lyrics uh, that you couldn't understand when he was singing them. And I was like, well, I want to waste my time writing something that nobody can ever listen to or read. <laughs> <laughs> so you were attracted to the, the lyrics of metal quite early on then? Well, I mean, I don't know if you guys have felt this and you can't say because you've interviewed a lot of, you know, metal singers and <laughs> you don't want to put anyone aside, but for me, they seem very, um, I don't know. A lot of the time they're just like very run of the mill um, for a lot of bands. Like, I feel like if you really like a band, it's it's kind of dangerous to check out their lyrics because it can kind of ruin it for you. Um, you know, like, you know, I'll, lo I'll love a band and I'll read the lyrics and it's like just the same concept over and over again, just murder. And, you know, it's generally just murdering a woman and it's just sort of like this played out kind of topic. Um, and for Cryptopsy, I found like he really, he put you in the position of like, you felt like you were there when you were reading his lyrics. Like there was something absolutely disgusting happening, but it was very uh, creative and the concepts are really cool. And it was, it strayed from just the, I'm gonna go out and murder a woman kind of concept that mm -hmm. I think a lot of bands just sort of ride, you know? Mm. So although they're still discussing like, you know, gore and violence, um, what about the way in which they write lyrics makes them more palatable to you than like, you know, your generic death metal band that's just talking about, yeah, murdering women, as you say? Well, I think there's like this, um, the ambiguity that it, and also just like, if you're not um, putting a picture in someone's head and it's just sort of, um, you know, it just seems like they went through a thesaurus, they found the, the words that they didn't even know how to use and they mixed them together and they're about murder. Like, you know, and mm -hmm. um, so I think for me, what stands out is when I read something like that really, yeah, it just, it, it puts you there and, and you're creating images in your head that could differ from what somebody else, you know, would, would read mm -hmm. and what they would create when they're reading it. And that to me is, you know, what I really like doing with, when I'm writing is I, I'm trying to create an image in my head, whether it's a, a painting or whether it's a, mm -hmm. you know, a, a short story, um, just something that someone can read and whether it's specific or not, they can just take away an image uh, from that. And they like that image, you know, whether it's a disgusting image or a beautiful image that they just 
you know, they read it and, and it makes something come up in their head that they can remember. And when, when I see that in other writing, I just, I really appreciate it, you know? Are there any other um, metal bands that have done things with lyrics that kind of inspired you early on? Um, not, not so much, to be honest with you. Um, like, I, I, yeah, it's, it's, it was always kind of disappointing reading the lyrics to, to my favorite bands. Um, I mean, like, <laughs> For instance, like the Melvins are one of, mm. you know, we're a great band. They're like an old school stoner metal band and the lyrics are nonsensical. They're just, mm. they're, and it, they're, it's intentional. Mm. Um, but I love them in, in of the appliance of, you know, performance. It works. Uh, same with Deftones. Like it's very poetic. Um, but, but I've yet to like break into my favorite band's lyrics and decipher what they mean. I kind of just want to take them at face value. Mm. So just off the top of my head, I, I can't really think of of bands that really I mean, like King Diamond, for one, is not a great writer, but I love that he's telling a story. Do you mm. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys are familiar with him, but he's uh, <laughs> he's hilarious. But he yeah, he'll have concept albums and he, he'll have a whole album about his grandma or not his grandma, but <laughs> yeah. our grandma. Yeah. Um, and I just love that. And as a kid, I was like, why don't more bands do this? Like, why don't you put someone into this story? You have this amazing soundtrack, you know, for a horror concept. Um, and, and then what I started to kind of realize diving into like some of the more extreme bands is that their writing style was very like personal. Mm -hmm. So like the whole breakup metal band kind of genre or whatever, mm -hmm. where someone's writing lyrics about how hurt they are, how angry they are. And that immediately just turned me off. I think that's like something I've always, from an early age, really didn't want to do. Because mm -hmm. uh, I think it just takes you away away from the fiction side of, you know, of metal and why it's so fun for people because it's a fantasy. It's And I, I don't want to make it about me. I'm not very interesting. I don't, <laughs> you know, my life's not that interesting. I think stories are interesting and important. And I just, so that's what I kind of look for when, when I'm, you know, reading other people's lyrics is that it's not about them. It's about, you know, them having a cool concept, I guess, you know. Is that the approach that you took when you first started writing lyrics? Like, like when did you start and how did you first begin, like, trying to put a song onto paper? Um, honestly, I think I was about five. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and at the time, um, what the fuck was the song called? It was, I... Yeah, I wrote a song because I was raised vegetarian mm -hmm. and I wrote a song about uh, about butchering animals. And it was like, <laughs> I was like, at the time, I thought that was just horrific. And now I eat a lot of meat. So it's kind of funny. Um, but that was yeah, I, I started writing um, lyrics very early. And then all throughout school, I just kind of did creative writing instead of mm. what I should have been doing. Um which is why I have terrible penmanship. And I kind of realized that I was in school, I would be writing, but I'd be writing these ideas that were very strange. So I'd intentionally fuck up my writing so people couldn't read over my shoulder and see what I was writing, <laughs> absolutely twisted shit. So even today I have like the penmanship of a five-year-old. Um, were you, were you oh, sorry, were you attracted to yeah. like, um, you said fucked up shit. Were you attracted to kind of horror stories and things like that at that age as well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and for me, like I, being I've uh, two brothers that I grew up with and one is now an effects artist but when we were young like we were all about the old school horror movies like the Lon Chaney and Bella Lugosi and mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. um 
and we had like a little monster fan club and we just loved the idea of creatures because they were just you know these concepts that were just created out of thin air that were you know super intricate and intense and had nothing to do with the world that we were in and that was just fascinating for all of us so i kind of clung to that right away and i i look for that in in music you know so that uh yeah def definitely horror and and science fiction like definitely grew up watching next generation with my dad like <laughs> watching star trek and and that to me like if we could get not to get too deep into it but that to me is the difference between like a concept like star wars and a concept like star trek is mm. star trek you had all these crazy um concepts you know mm -hmm. from real from real science fiction writers that were coming up with like why do all the aliens look the same when they're from different planets and there's a gene that you know extends through universes and then you have like the star wars kind of fantasy and sci-fi which is like good versus bad and that's about it you know so i was more interested in the in the concept rather mm -hmm. than like you know in in the creation of a concept or monster so yeah, that was that was always the intrigue for me to start writing. So what's your current writing process like? Like when you sit down to write uh, the lyrics for an Archspire album, how does that transpire? Um, well, I hate doing it. <laughs> um, I don't hate doing it. I, it's kind of like I just put it off till the absolute last minute and stress out about it um, until I absolutely have to do it. And I do have a weird over the years I've developed a more consistent and uh, a bit more professional technique to writing because I have to um, I don't, like when you first kind of start playing in a band there's no there's no money there's no you know label there's nothing to so it's all just your own created creativity your own drive um, and as you progress in your the business aspect of your performance and your writing then you sort of have to hone your 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 methods of how you're going to get it done you know mm. so you just get a more professional you know attitude towards it so for the um for the second to last album that we did relentless mutation i wrote the lyrics but it sounds stupid as i'm saying it so bear with me but <laughs> i wrote the lyrics by locking myself into a house for seven days by myself without a phone uh no internet I only ate hard boiled eggs and cabbage and black coffee. Mm -hmm. uh, and I didn't talk to anyone. I didn't go on the internet. I didn't read anything. I didn't use a thesaurus and I just went fucking crazy. Uh, and I started to just, yeah, I started, I worked with an idea that I had from a dream that I got. Uh, and I just developed that idea and I would just wake up and write all day until, uh, until, you know, probably about 12 hours and scrap most of it. Um, and then I would go to sleep and just that was in my brain. So that's what I'd be dreaming about. And then I'd wake up and I'd have new ideas to add to it. And I just did that for a week. And then uh, the lyrics were done for the album. So did you bring the album with you? Like I had. Yeah. So what we do is we all write like I write the music with the band. Mm -hmm. We write everything together. There's no mm -hmm. one person that just comes and is like, here's the song. So we have a very fine like mesh filter for everything. So if someone has an idea, it goes through four other people and we chop it up and we make it, you know, different and, and until we're all unanimous on it. So, and we do, we don't do the same with the lyrics, but what we do, we do that with the whole, with all of the music. And then I take that home and I lock myself away with it. Hmm. And I basically play like a crossword puzzle with it. Um, and that's, the, I mean, the hardest thing for me is, is if I were writing just creatively and just writing a short story, 
um, I, I feel like I would have so much freedom, but this style of writing, when you have it in these, you know, it's like a maze that you're in and you're gridded into the music. So you really have to like make all your syllables fit. Um, you know, you want to have a cohesive story. And I feel like that's where a lot of people fall short because they, they worry more about the music, but there is really a fine line you have to ride between, you know, making it a cohesive um, piece of writing, but also you have to fit it in this very intricate music. So, um, you know, for that reason, it, it's kind of a daunting task that I put off till the last minute, but <laughs> yeah. So I suppose like, yeah, when, when you said that like, um, you know, there's not the same kind of editing process that you go through with the lyrics. So um, as in, in terms of like the whole band, not necessarily contributing to that editing process, but how do you yourself go about like kind of editing your lyrics after you've come up with like, I don't know, like the first draft? Um, I mean, for me, a lot of the time it's because you, you are, I do very syllable heavy, like staccato kind of style stuff mm. where I'm matching every syllable to every snare hit. So mm -hmm. I'm looking for those, I'm looking for those words that have, um, you know, not a lot of S's, you know, so there's a very like physical sort of um, style to how I write because it has to like, you have to be able to say it all very quickly, mm -hmm. um, which, which I think is the hardest obstacle. But so then, so I'll write that way first um, a lot of the time. And then I'll go back and be like, okay, well, does it make sense to, if someone just read it? And that's mm -hmm. kind of how I edit is I want someone to be able to read it and maybe be like, oh, that's a weird poem or something or story. Um, but I, so that's sort of my filter. Um, and the band doesn't really care about lyrics at all. <laughs> classic um, yeah <laughs> yeah like I don't think they like four of them or three of them sorry have like probably never read them um but they probably never read a book either so <laughs> 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 um, but I do and I I don't have a very like uh it's sort of get it down on paper first and then chop it up later kind of attitude mm. like uh, my my spelling is atrocious um you know and my punctuation is is off but I just I just want to get it out as quick as possible. If I get a good idea, it's got to go on paper. And then later on, I start to chop it up and then I'll just keep going over it and over it and refining like every syllable, you know? Mm -hmm. And if there's a word that's just, I don't know, like there's also like the cheese factor to some stuff, <laughs> like the, you know? And I try to have a cheese filter. Like if you're, if you read it back and you're like, that sounds kind of cheesy, mm -hmm. you know, like I, I really want to avoid that. So that's like the main thing when I'm editing is like, make it sound like it's not me. And if someone read it, didn't know that I read it or that I wrote it. Do you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. kind of remove myself from it. So you're just looking at it as a piece of writing and not like, oh, that's clearly written by a bald 35 year old prick, you know? <laughs> what, uh, what, what makes something like cheesy and what makes something, I guess, metal? It's just there's certain words you can't yell in a brutal tone. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like if you were to yell bedroom or something mm -hmm. in a brutal tone, like it just doesn't really. So you have to kind of there's always a workaround. But if you go the workaround to to the extreme, then you're in like the thesaurus zone where you're just mm -hmm. like, you know, now I'm using a bunch of words that I don't even know how to put together in a proper sentence. So there there is a fine line there between you know, what, what sounds cool and appealing to the ear, if you like that genre of music, um, in that tone of voice, uh, and then what just kind of takes you out of the fantasy, you know? Mm. 
So given that you focus so much on like kind of creating the narrative within your, uh, your songs and there's so much like kind of a story focus um, when you write, do you think that like if you were to just remove your lyrics from the context of, you know, the music, do you think they'd still read as like recognizably metal? I don't, I don't know. That's a good question. It's so hard to remove yourself from, from, you know, like from the position that your writing is in and the context that it's in. Mm. Um, so I would like to think so, but I also don't know that I'm that good. <laughs> but that would be, that would be what I would strive to do is that someone could take it out of context and it would still hold up mm. as, as a good piece of some kind of literature, you know, I'm, and but it, but it is hard because there's sometimes like, I know what I want to say, but there's simply not enough bars or snare hits mm. to fit it in. So I have to cut out words and I just hope that someone could read it and be like, oh, okay, that's a, a short, you know, sentence that's supposed to represent this idea. And some people get it and it's amazing when they do. And then some people just really don't and uh, just think I'm a crazy person. Do you, do you have fans that come up and, and ask you about what you've written or talk to you about what you've written? Like, do any of them, do some of them really, really understand the story you're trying to tell? Yeah, it, it does happen. And when it does, it's, it's really cool if they're not really high. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do get like, I'll get, you know, people like a dude came up to me and Toby uh, at the at the merch table and was like super high on acid and was like, man, I've been reading your lyrics like over and over again. And he and he broke it down and he, he pretty much nailed it. And it was cool. Um, you know, it's kind of sucks being around people that are super high when you're just <laughs> stone sober. But um, but yeah, I do. I get people coming up and, and they really analyzed it, the story and they ask me questions about it. Like what, mm. who, what is Ohm and, you know, and what was happening in, in Lucid um, mm. Collective. And so, and they'll ask me like specific character questions and stuff. Mm. And I, it's really awesome because it's, you know, it's sort of like a, a it's a cheesy um, comparison, but sort of like a Sandman Dalla. Like you write and you spend all this time to write this story but then you just growl it super fast so nobody can understand it. And most people don't read it. So it really mm. is, you, you, I'm just doing it like, you know, for, because I, because I want to and, and, but it doesn't really like shine through, like there, there's no real reward for it, except for just the odd person high on acid coming up and being like, fucking, I got it, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In prior interviews, you've, you've uh, expressed a distinct appreciation for uh, hip hop. I, you mentioned it actually earlier in this interview. Um, like I know that, for instance, in Calamus Animate, uh, you begin with the flow that you mentioned is from Tech Nine, I believe. Uh, yeah. Is the engagement with hip hop that you've done to date something that influences how you approach lyrics at all? Oh, it, it absolutely is. Um, and not for content, but I mean, once I started diving into the speed rap, genre mm. um, which is kind of what I had to do when I started or when I joined the band was I had to look for some kind of influence that wasn't metal because there's not really you know a lot of metal bands doing that uh, speed of vocals mm -hmm. so I was looking into to hip-hop that I and rap that I've always loved since I was a kid and started going into like the really fast side of it like Busta Rhymes and Tech 9 and, and those kind of guys that are very syllable heavy and they they just have figured out like they broke the the code to go as fast as possible and it really is the nuance of like syllables um and so that's yeah so i started using that heavy in my writing but it 
I got into problems because if you read like uh, speed rap lyrics, they're really nonsensical, um, you know, because they're because it's all about the syllables and all about the speed. And when and there's not really any substance to to the lyrics, like there's a lot of slang, but th but they're not like and some of them do tell it a story and that's awesome. But uh, but a lot of the time it's just, you know, it's almost like scat style in a way, like they're not really saying anything. So I will try, like, I'll break down like what I did with the tech nine thing is like break down his part. And that was like, a, I wanted to directly rip him off just so in, you know, just to really like <laughs> emphasize the influence, because I feel like if you, if you have an influence, you should let it, you just wear it, you know, and don't try to hide that you're, influenced by that so i just really wanted to rip them off um but i wanted to do it you know with one of my weird stories mm. so i just and that's kind of what i always do like i'll take like an m&m verse and be like okay he's you know like hit him with the venom and eliminate him other representative eliminate him like that shit mm. but it doesn't make any sense so i would like okay how does venom work with the story that i'm telling and there's this black venom and i could talk about that and like so it's sort of um taking the influence physically, but not in the writing, mm -hmm. you know, if that makes sense at all. Yeah, it does. I think absolutely. so. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're, yeah, your lyrics. Absolutely. I was wondering, I was uh, kind of wondering if that was the case. Cause I, I didn't see anything in reading your lyrics that I felt like felt sounded hip hoppy, but definitely in the way that you perform them, uh, the speed and the, you know, amount that you're able to pack into a song. I was, I was actually wondering if you'd kind of, uh, practice like a little bit of kind of hip hop rapping in order to get that, that pace up. For sure. I definitely do. And that's what I, uh, if I'm teaching someone, like I was teaching my guitar player's wife, uh, some death metal vocals, uh, cause she plays guitar in a band and wanted to do vocals. And that was one of my warmups is like, find, uh, you know, a speed rap song, get a verse and just, uh, break it down. How are they doing mm -hmm. it? And just get your mouth to move in that, in that way. And then just add distortion. And then you have, um, basically what my style that's that's about it mm. so yeah so given that you like you know drawn on styles that are you know beyond their heavy metal genre I was wondering like do you think that like you can generally speaking differentiate metal lyrics from non-metal lyrics like just just reading them yeah yeah like if you were just to like read like a sample of lyrics do you think you'd be able to like to say like I, oh this is clearly from a metal band or this is clearly not from metal yeah band? Um, I, I think just in repetition alone, I could, I could determine, I mean, the, the common formula for lyrics is, is just very minimal and a lot of repetition. So immediately, you know, if uh, the majority of pop songs, if you read them on paper are just, it just looks like garbage. <laughs> I mean, and not like, I'm like, yeah. Um, not to say that there isn't, you know, awesome, um, lyrics and pop music, but, uh, I, I think I could just based on theme um, and, and like going back to what I was saying, like the majority of you, you can kind of, if you're reading something, you right away are like, okay, this is either a death metal band or a black metal band. Mm. You know, they're either singing about killing a woman or Satan or, um, but you know, but then there's bands like Mastodon, like, uh, you know, where they'll have some lyrics where if I think that if I read that, I wouldn't really be able to tell what genre those lyrics were. Um, mm. you know what I mean? So I, and, um, maybe not with, yeah, I don't, I think as soon as there's repetition, I'd be able to spot it, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and, and that's something that I deal with too, is like, if you, if you are trying to convey a story and then, but there is 
you, you want to go back to something because it is musical. So you want to have something that the listener can grab onto and repeat. Um, but sometimes you want to just add more of the story in there, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So you're, so it, I think that I could spot um, songs over just stories by, because, it, because I'll feel like a forced divide in the story to implement the, uh, the, the repetition, you know, because they have to musically. Mm-hmm. So is, is repetition something you don't associate with other types of music? Um, n- no, I do. Um, but I just like for, for death metal, it's a lot of the time there's, there's a lack of repetition. Oh, a lack of repetition. Mm, yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry. I misunderstood. Yeah. Sorry. So like if, yeah, if I was reading pop lyrics, I would see a bunch of repetition and I would be like, mm-hmm. okay, that. Uh, like chorus song. stuff you mean? Yeah. Verse chorus. And, okay. Yeah. Uh, so, but a lot of, ba- and I feel like this can kind of like inhibit a lot of death metal bands is their lack of repetition, mm. um, you know, because they play this extreme music, but they're, but they're not like, they don't bring it back to something that people can catch. <laughs> no repeating you know, riffs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's something that we've always been aware of. And that I try to do, even though we're playing a very obscure form of music, I'm writing very obscure stuff. I try to write the name of the song in the song and say it more than once. And that's something we did a lot on the new album that's not out yet. Because just because we have um, this style of music that's abstract, we, you know, we, we want it to be accessible to people. Mm-hmm. We want people to be able to listen to it. And so that's a, a heavy focus in my writing is, okay, what's the cool line here that I like and how, and how can I repeat it? And so that if you get nothing else from the song or from the lyrics, you at least get that takeaway of the name of the song. Speaking of uh, your lyrics specifically, uh, in looking at your album so far, obviously besides the, uh, the new one, which you know, we haven't uh, don't heard or seen yet, uh, we noticed that there's a number of themes that kind of come up uh, time and time again, specifically concepts like uh, forced human evolution, mutation, transcendence, and usually uh, these kind of things leading to some sort of disastrous outcome. Uh, is this something that you personally do see as a theme that you uh, like to engage with? And if so, what about that theme is attractive to you? Um, yeah, there, I, I, there are common themes. And to be honest, like the majority of them just came from having really crazy dreams uh, and then trying to decipher them. Um, and then, you know, like I would get, a, I would have a crazy dream and then I would start writing about it. And then I would start, you know, researching stuff and discovering things about that concept and just kind of drive from there. So it wasn't intentional, but I just sort of always gravitate towards those kind of concepts. Um, you know, of, of just altering your perception and, and, and those sorts of things. And, you know, and, and like, for instance, the, um, like the Ohm cult mm-hmm. was the thing I read a book when I was really young about the Ohm cult in uh, Japan. Yeah. They would do mm-hmm. experiments on people with like, with hallucinogenic drugs and stuff. And there was an experiment they did where they, people were abducted and they woke up in a room and there was just a black drip in the ceiling uh, and they saw the drip and they would hallucinate like crazy. And then they just woke up in their bed and a bunch of people reported it. And it's not like a conspiracy Avenue, mm-hmm. um, but they would experiment with stuff like this. And, and, and I got that idea and it just sort of went from that. And I started looking into, I don't know if you guys have heard of the pitch drop experiment. Uh, um, the, the, the really the slow. Yeah. So it's the longest running scientific experiment. Yeah. Um, and it's 
it's like a non-Newtonian fluid. So it's neither a liquid or solid. It's kind of in the middle. Uh, and it takes like seven years or something to drip once. And it's just this black like tar. And when I kind of put those two things together, I was like, what if just observing time not moving how it should would alter your physical uh you know your physical being and your mental being because you couldn't perceive what it what it was and that sort of sparked the concepts for for all of the albums was like when you when a human sees something that is real and they don't understand it how does their brain um, mm -hmm. compensate for that and and does it actually physically affect their body as well so from there i just went off to all these other scenarios and it all was about this black substance that was unknown to people and and how do you respond when you see something that you can't control or can't understand? So that to me, I just, I find that kind of stuff really fascinating. Um, and it's just sort of, it's, it's fodder for, uh, for lots of cool sci-fi writing, you know? Hmm. Well, yeah, I saw in like reading a lot of your lyrics, particularly off the first album, um, I was wondering if you were inspired by like, you know, classic sci-fi lit just because, um, you know, a lot of classic sci-fi lit, like, you know, Isaac Asimov and like Philip K. Dick stuff that I've really enjoyed in my adolescence talked a yeah. lot about like the nature of humanity and post-humanism. And I can see some of that like reflected in, you know, your lyrics and like, you know, talking about um, beings that appear inhuman in some ways, like replicants of vengeance or the destruction of the physical body, um, like the disposal of the shell, um, mm -hmm. transition to immortality and stuff. Yeah. So I was just wondering, like, you know, are these like parallels that I'm observing, like reflective of your own inspiration or... Yeah, to totally. Um, and also like Harlan Ellison is a big one for me. Mm -hmm. um, he, he was a, a big influence as well. But but yeah, just being um, just very fascinated with the idea of like the what ifs and uh, and and but I also like kind of just what I do is like sort of do like a black box sort of project, um, which I don't know. OK, there's this terrible cooking show called Chopped. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen Chopped, but you know, they open the box and it's like, it's all these chefs and they open the box and it'll have like random ingredients that they have to work with. Um, so I, and I kind of like doing that method with writing songs. Like I'll just come up with a random concept that would not fit in a metal song. And then I'll work on making that like an influence for that song and without telling my band, cause they don't read the lyrics. <laughs> so, uh, and, and so I kind of, I enjoy that side of it, like taking something random. Um, like for instance, uh, we have a song called Lucid Collective Somnambulation, mm -hmm. which I, I, I was like, I want to write a metal love song that, <laughs> uh, and not tell my band, you know, about one person, that, like about two people that actually share a dream together and they manage to manifest a completely different um, reality that they can exist in forever, um, which is a really, you know, the concept is is very cheesy and it's it's like a romantic uh, poem concept, but but I wanted to put it in you know uh, in a setting where it was brutal death metal and uh, and not tell my band. So hopefully they don't watch this, and if they do, then you know, <laughs> I'm writing love songs and they have no idea. So. Do you think that they would have, if if you just sat down and said, "Hey, I'm going to put a love song on the next album," do you think they would oppose it flat out? Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Um, which is stupid. Which is absolutely stupid. Um, I, <laughs> Like, I, I like not leaving, like, I, I did say before, I don't want to contradict myself, like, I don't like the standard genre, uh, you know, um, writing of just the, mur just straight up murder. Mm -hmm. um, but, I, but I do think that it's cool to not leave any sort of concept off of the table. Like, if you can work, 
you take like an ingredient that really doesn't work in the dish and you make it work in the dish, mm-hmm. you know? So, mm-hmm. um, and, and yeah, I, I find that's a good, a cool challenge. Like we did that, or I did that with, um, a song that we have called Calamus will animate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to do a song about a pillow factory, like a factory that makes bedding and pillows. Right. And, mm-hmm. uh, and make it like HP Lovecraft. Mm-hmm. So, because I thought like, I was thinking about what's the least death metal topic. Mm-hmm. It was like mm-hmm. a factory that makes pillows. And so from there, I was like, okay, well, how could that be twisted? And how could that, you know, how could that be a, a, a story about, you know, transcending, um, you know, from this, from this realm. So, uh, and so that a lot of my inspiration just comes from that, like coming up with a random idea and, and trying to put my own spin on it. Is it hard to fit it not only within metal, but within the broader, because you have this broader thematic uh, sort of narrative that goes throughout not only your albums, but sometimes not only one album, sorry, but uh, across multiple albums. Is it tricky to take a thing like a song about a pillow factory and fit it in the the story or the Archspire sort of uh, mythos, I guess? Well, I mean, there is a lot of leniency with that because you you have some artistic license because it can, you know, some songs can be more poetic. Some songs can be more linear. Um, so I think, and I kind of take each song as its own piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if, and there is, you know, some correspondence between them, but there doesn't necessarily have to be correspondence. So I don't want someone to be looking to the next song to figure out what's happening, you know, from the past song. Um, and that's just something I haven't done yet. Um, and that I might want to do for fun on a, on a future album is just create a completely linear story. Um, on the new album, I did one song that was just completely linear. It was like, this is happening. And then this happens. And, and just, and I was taking the, the reader or listener just through what was happening. Um, and I, and I really like I enjoyed that a lot. I might try to write like that a bit more in the future. I think. I might've misunderstood then. Cause I thought, um, uh, relentless mutation was sort of a, a, a story throughout uh, about the om cult and their experiments is that not oh, correct or it is yeah it is but so relentless mutation was basically like um it was a it was seven different sequences like of of experience from seven different people oh okay. um mm-hmm. so so it does all correspond but it's not like you know but they're each experiencing like like i was saying like there it's a different interpretation from each person of how they're experiencing what they're what they're seeing you know and and how it affects them so so it was yeah it is it is conceptual in that sense but there's not like a you know it's not a chapter one chapter two kind of thing uh and that also comes from just how we write like we don't know which song is going to be first on the album which song is going to be second so for me to do a a very linear story that like even if i wanted to it'd be very difficult because we have to base it on the on the feel of the music first, right? So, so yeah, it it is a concept album, but it's not uh, it's you know it's it's not a from start to finish story. Okay, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. So, yeah, given that like you know you said that you are like you know telling stories based on like um, ideas that you've had and concepts you want to explore, um, we were wondering as well like if. Um, you know, given that science fiction itself has long been used to like kind of comment on and explore issues in contemporary society, if this is also something that you're trying to do with your lyrics? Um, honestly, not really. Uh, like for the new album, I can't like, I can't talk about it too much. Yeah, of course. Um, but, uh, 
but for the new album there there is like some sort of under undertones of um not really social commentary but but there is some kind of undertone of that um in just like like i try to take the extreme fantasy version of of a story and then if i can inject a little bit of of commentary in there mm-hmm. and and uh, you know then i will but it's definitely not at the forefront of my writing mm-hmm. um it's just more of a creative process first and then if i can make a correlation between that and uh you know and and something that's actually going on um then then that's cool but yeah i wouldn't say like that that's uh that's really something i do i try mm. to just keep it strictly creative really Right. Are there times when you've written a song and then come back to it years later and read something into it that maybe you didn't plan on? Um, yeah, I, I think so. Like, you know, I feel like I'll, I'll sort of look if I'm if I'm wanting to get into writing like the, the new album, I'll look back at the old stuff and kind of dig through it, like just kind of going through old pictures um mm-hmm. and and dig through the ideas and and a line will pop out that i'm like oh i because i like i won't even remember writing it you know? <laughs> and so i'll be like oh i wrote that and that and that will tie me into uh an idea that i can that i can sprout and make into something else so i, I definitely do like going back <clears throat> and, and reviewing stuff because um yeah i feel like a lot of the time i'll write stuff and then i just don't even remember writing it so, yeah. I feel that way quite often. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's bizarre. It's it's almost I attribute it to being like a muscle. Like I have this kind of thing where I feel like if I just if I start writing, it takes about like 20 minutes. And then I've activated this muscle that I can now exercise. Mm. Um, and it really just comes out of nowhere. And that's what I find is really interesting about just creativity and how it doesn't really relate to intellect at all. Like I'm not, you know, I'm not being self-deprecating, but I don't, I'm not an intellectual person. I'm not like uh, an educated person, um, but it doesn't inhibit me from being a, a creative writer. And I think that that's something that a lot of people don't really understand is that you can tap into this, um, you know, this, you can tap this muscle and exercise it without any, you know, without any prerequisite, you can just do it. And, uh, and I really think that anyone can, if they just put the time down. Um, I don't think it's like drawing. Like if I try to draw a person, it'll look absolutely terrible. Uh, and 20 minutes later, it still will. But mm. I feel like writing's a bit different. Like I, it's kind of like getting into like a dream mode. Like you get into a REM sleep, but you're but you're awake. That's kind of how I think of writing. It's like you get into the first level, and then as soon as you're warmed up, then you're in the sort of dream level where your imagination is just open and 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 ready to go. Mm-hmm. So you said that like you've read back over your lyrics and like, you know, seen things that you, you know, don't remember writing or you've read new things into it. And you also talked before about like um, listeners and fans like coming to you and um, talking to you about what they've like understood from your lyrics. I was wondering, like, have you had the experience of somebody reading something into your lyrics that you didn't intend? Mm. Totally. Yeah, that's happened before. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like it's like that's what I that's absolutely what I want when I'm writing is like I want someone to see you know, it's two people looking at the color red and they're looking at two different colors. And I just love that idea that, you know, someone is reading it and getting a completely different image in their head um, than I am. And, and so, 
when that happens, it's like, I, I did a good fucking job. You know? <laughs> so, so you've never been like disappointed by something that somebody's like read into it and been like, oh, I, that's really not what I was trying to get across. No. Um, honestly, not really. And I think it's just because I stray so far from the, the social side of it, you know, mm-hmm. and, and the personal side of it that no one's like, oh, yeah, that song, I totally related to that because I hate my ex-wife or whatever it is. Like, <laughs> you know, um, so I managed to avoid that. And uh, and I couldn't imagine being in a band where you were, where you had personal lyrics and you would have people being like, yeah, I also hate someone or, you know, unless it's positive, <laughs> like that would just, that would, I would hate to have to deal with that. So um, yeah, luckily, luckily that doesn't happen very much for me. <laughs> Yeah, I hate somebody as a, as a, <laughs> a period of uh, you know, emotional contact with somebody it does seem a bit unfortunate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So one thing that you've said about uh, your lyric process that kind of surprised me is that you kind of, uh, you know, you look down on the use of a thesaurus um, because I noticed that there is a large number of vocabulary that I consider difficult um, and, you know, tricky things like engrossed in crepuscular massacre. Uh, lucid collective synambulation, uh, calamus will animate. I had to look up the word calamus when I first encountered your music. I had no idea what it yep. was. Uh, <laughs> like, do, do you not look up these kinds of words or this just vocab that you know through reading? And also, um, is there yeah. something that you find in these big words that uh, appeals to you in like your music? Is, is engrossed in Crepuscular Massacre more say metal or cool than like wrapped in Twilight Murders? <laughs> uh definitely and that's a part of going back to the cheesy thing like twilight would sound cheesy saying it okay and so um but you know i think what it is like for instance like somnambulation wasn't i wasn't like i need a word you know for sleepwalking mm-hmm. uh it was that i was researching you know a concept that i came up with of like how have has anyone ever reported people dreaming together and share mm-hmm. and you know living in a dream together and then i started to look into like people killing in their sleep um and hmm. that there's cases of people committing murders and being completely asleep really uh, so, and that's where somnambulation came in and so i found i, I more stumble across the words when i'm when i'm researching hmm. ideas that have come up you know in a dream like i'll have a dream i'll research some the elements of it and then i'll find these words and then i'll be able to use them without just like oh i need a word for this so i'll look it up and you know like I, i'm not against using a thesaurus and you know like the first album i did that um but i just kind of and maybe i should go back to it because i have a limited vocabulary but (laughs) i but but as i like progressed i wanted to just make it so again i'm going to use a restaurant uh, analogy where (laughs) i feel i feel like i don't want to intimidate the person eating the dish like i don't want someone to come in off the street to this fine dining restaurant and not know what they're eating and it's like you know and they're like pretending they know what it is i want to give like you know, I want anyone to be able to just pick it up and look at it. And that's sort of the direction that I've been slowly heading in. Um, and, and if it, there is a word like somnambulation, you know, it's, there's that one word, but, but other than that, there's not like, you know, it's not a slew of, of foreign, of foreign words, you know? Um, so they could look that one word up and be like, oh, okay, that's what it is. Um, but I, I really kind of just want to, want someone to read it and be like, oh, that's from the brain to the paper, mm-hmm. you know, um, with ideas and not um, just not overly coded, I guess, you know. 
What about for someone that like wasn't interested in metal? Because isn't uh, you know there are some discussions of of rather dark themes and gore and stuff in your lyrics. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that prevent somebody from say sitting down at the restaurant in a way? Uh, if they weren't interested, I mean, yeah, definitely, it would. Um, but I mean, I have such a small, um, you know, such a small window of people that will actually <laughs> look at what I'm writing. So, um, so I don't want to narrow that even more. If, okay. you, if you know what I mean, like mm-hmm. if I was publishing it and it was just out to read, I think I would have an absolutely completely different writing style. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. And I would be curious to see what that would be like um, because I've yet to do that. But yeah, it's such a narrow window already that I, I just don't want to, I don't want someone to love the music to be like, oh, what's he talking about to read it and then just be, you know, absolutely confused. And, and I mean, I'm sure I, I, that happens, but um but yeah, so that's kind of my reasoning for not overusing, you know, a vocabulary. How did you stumble across the word calmness while looking up um, concepts for uh, um, pillows, by the way? Um, because of the um, uh, the feather. Oh, okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, okay. the feather. So there's mm-hmm. that. There's the little tube in there, mm-hmm. uh, and I was, and that's what was is in the story is full of this you know, alien black liquid mm-hmm. that infects the people working there. Okay. Um, so, and it's sort, and it is sort of, um, you know, it's, it kind of represents um, your, my, my writing style. Like it was sort of an analogy for where I was writing because it's the, the feather that mutates you and it's the pen mm-hmm. that can mutate others when they, when they read what you're, what you're writing, it can, mm-hmm. you know, create that image like, like I was talking about. And that's kind of, the mutation that happens. So the pen and the feather are very similar. Okay. Mm. Yeah. So. <laughs> so you were saying that like you, you don't want to like kind of um, overuse really complex uh, and inaccessible vocabulary, but like how do you decide like when to use the kind of complex vocabulary and when to say things in a more kind of simple and direct way? Um, well, for me, it's easy because I don't have a vast vocabulary. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah, it really does come down to like the physical side of it. Like, you know, I can't say this word that this quickly because there's too many S's in it. Mm. So, right. you know, so then, but, and I guess it seems kind of trivial, like just pick up the fucking thesaurus and use it if you need to. Uh, it would save me a lot of time, but for some reason I want my brain to come up with the word mm. on its own. <laughs> and, and I think it's a cool exercise because in my day-to-day dialect like i have like maybe 20 fucking words i don't know like <laughs> i don't you know but but when i'm really like uh-huh. when i'm in the zone and i'm trying to come up with this i need another word that has the right syllables that i can mm. perform properly it really pushes your brain and you find that you're like oh i had no idea i knew what that word was mm. you know on a day-to-day basis you'd never pull that word out of your brain but when you know when you're when you're accessing that you, you it's very surprising like what you can actually pull out of your brain if you just like you know if you try mm. <laughs> um yeah so it was interesting you were saying earlier that you know you do take a kind of distance from your lyrics and that you're not uh, discussing any kind of personal matters and that you are kind of really focusing on the fiction that you're creating but on the other hand it's really interesting that in a lot of your songs you use the first person perspective so there's a lot of i um, and mm-hmm. so I was wondering, like, why um, do you think that this perspective is the best way to tell your stories? Um, I, I think just for the, you know, like, because it is a song, um, 
I feel like it, you know, when, when you put on a good song, you're kind of, you're kind of put there and you want to feel like it can relate to you. And I'd rather relate to the listener than have them try to relate to me. Mm. So mm-hmm. for me using first person is like, it's, it's more, it's putting on the VR like headset, you know, you're like, it's uh it's first person and it just makes, it makes it like more impactful, I think for what they're experiencing. Uh, and it also kind of makes it a bit more, um, more like solid. Like you're, it's not as, um, I, I don't know how to explain it. Like, I feel like if it's just a slew of ideas um, and you're not attaching it to like someone witnessing it, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. then I feel like it kind of takes away from the impact of the story, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a big thing. Like I always start writing uh, a song and I'll be like, Hey, what perspective should this be from? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and generally like a lot of the time it is I, or sometimes I'll write, we like um, for remote tumor seeker, mm-hmm. I wrote it about one person that has a split brain, um, which is actually a, a, a thing that actually happens where the membrane between your, your mm-hmm. two hemispheres splits and one part of your brain will start making excuses for the other part when it's, when it's fucking up. So I wanted to write a song about what would happen if somebody was trying to hunt a killer, but they were the killer, but they didn't know because they had split brain. So I was trying to write through the perspective of two people in one person. And that's just kind of a fun thing to take away. And I don't know if people got it from that. Um, but, but I think that's, oh, that's always a fun thing to do is to be like, when you're, when you're starting out a story, be like, what perspective is it from? And the fallback is first person. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, that, and that just might be my lazy writing. Uh, to be <laughs> um, but like in the new album, I wanted to write a song from the perspective of a woman and not me you know mm-hmm. not a man so i wrote a song about this woman that was giving birth to something that wasn't human mm-hmm. uh and 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 it's you know what she was going through and when the band saw it, they're like what you're like why are you using those pronouns and stuff like well it's not about me none of the songs are about me so you know like i i thought that i, I always want to make it like about a person that you will never meet you know, and, and, and witnessing a horror is one thing, but reading about someone else witnessing it can have a, a different impact and be equally as scary, if not scarier. So um, in that case, you use third person, is that right? Oh, yes. And that, yeah. Okay. That case, yeah. Um, but like, that's what I love about H.P. Lovecraft is it was always like somebody witnessing this horror, mm. you know, uh, rather than, yeah, rather than the first person. So I think that's a cool thing to play with, but uh, I just like to change it up quite a bit you know? is there a time in your lyrics though where i ever has been you or that you felt a part of yourself in the protagonist either before never. or after you write no no not at all i'm always thinking of some someone completely completely different um yeah because i just to be honest like i live in canada uh <laughs> you know, i i don't have a lot of crazy experiences um i don't have a lot to draw on uh to be honest like you know, I don't, it's not that exciting. I don't live this crazy, exciting life where I'm doing lots of crazy shit. And so I, I envy writers that can draw on their personal experiences. I think that's a really cool skill that I just haven't developed yet. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I just feel yeah. like I haven't, uh, haven't done enough to, to really draw on my own experience. So I just try to come up with very random characters that, that don't have anything to do with me. When you're right. writing about something completely new, like say a woman giving birth or something like that, uh, is there a research process similar to the one you're talking about for say looking up things about Om or uh, the other 
when you're talking about from the eye perspective? Yeah, I mean, like the uh, the newest one that I was doing wasn't, uh, I didn't do, I don't think I did any research for that, um, but it basically stemmed from like the concept of the album is, you know, what if, what if humans started giving birth to something that wasn't human? Um, and which I haven't, because I hadn't seen that in, in really any horror movie. Um, and I had a dream about it where there was, you know, everyone on earth was just giving birth to something that wasn't human. Every birth wasn't human. And I was like, well, and everyone was okay with it. Oh, uh, they were shocked. <laughs> and I woke up being like, how would that happen? So I, I was like, well, what if they had a benefit? You know, what if they could, uh, what if they could show you the future, these things that people were giving birth to? So people would become addicted to looking into their own future from these creatures so that they would continue birthing them and, and no one would be afraid. So I wanted to write this. I wanted to write from the perspective of like, you know, of, of, the, of a woman who is pregnant and giving birth to this completely foreign creature and what that would be like so i for for the new album i didn't really do any research it was it was more like <clears throat> just very off the top of the head mm. Mm. <clears throat> but um, yeah mm. so it's very dependent on the you know on the material uh and on the album right Pardon. So I don't know if you've done it differently on the new album, but um, yeah, on your previous albums, although there's a lot of like reference to violence, there's not a lot of like really uh, graphic description of like gore or violent imagery. Um, mm -hmm. So is that something that you actively try and avoid? Uh, I do, yeah. I, mm -hmm. I like to not be vague about it, but I like to present a violent situation in a poetic form mm -hmm. rather than be very literal, you know? Um, and that's just to be kind of adverse to, <clears throat> sorry, uh, to be adverse to, you know, what I see a lot of other writers doing in the genre, like mm -hmm. Cannibal Corpse is very literal. Uh, yeah. Comes know. up every interview. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, yeah. yeah. they have come up every single interview. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, they created the, you know, mm -hmm. the genre and they were, um, and I love their, their work and I think the, the writing's cool. Um, but I definitely don't want to go down that trend. So if I have, you know, if I have an idea of a, you know, and there's a violent scenario happening in one of my songs uh, or stories, you know, I, I want to write about it in a way that like someone could interpret it uh, in a different way, you know, and it, it might seem more brutal to others and less brutal to some, you know? So making it a bit more, uh, yeah, a bit more poetic when it, rather than, than literal. Mm. We noticed that there's also a fairly large number, like at least two or three songs on most albums that reference like mothers, birth, brooding, litters, or similar vocabulary. And they often involve uh, either usually the deaths of the mother or the children, sometimes at the other's hand. Like I believe um, Relentless Mutation uh, has the first person that mutates runs away and then the mom mutates and ends up killing the person that ran away. Is that? Yeah, that right? was so for Doppelganger. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah, doppelganger, involuntary doppelganger. My apologies. Yeah, um, yeah, that's on that, that um, yeah. So, um, are we reading into things too much here, or is this topic of like mothers, children, birthing? I Maybe mean, we just actually did mention it with the new album as well. Something that uh, you intentionally kind of try to revisit. Is there something about this theme that you find quite interesting for, I guess, exploration or even just art inspires music? Um, yeah, I do, and and it's not 
I mean, I feel like it's just there. There's a lot of creepy elements to 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 that process. And like, I have I'm neighbors with my mom, and we have coffee every morning, uh, and we argue about like I don't think childbirth is beautiful. I think it's absolutely disgusting, and it's necessary. But it I don't. And she's like, it's amazing. It's it's a miracle. And I'm like, it's it's fluids. It's mm. you know, there's a placenta. It's very visceral it's not a beautiful thing. It's a necessary thing and you can find beauty in it. But, but I've always sort of thought like, you know, like there, there's a lot of horror elements there. And, and the other kind of element, which I touched on a lot more on the new album was just the idea that when you, when you bring something into the world, you have no idea what it's going to be. Mm. And that to me is, is frightening. And I'm sure, I don't know if you guys are parents. Oh, yeah. Um, not yeah, me. <laughs> okay, cool. um, and I'm not saying that you should worry about that at all, because that's just my my. No, it's terrifying. Brain. Yeah. Oh, it is. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And my brother, I live with my brother, and he has three kids. Um, and just I wanted to really tap into that like fear of like, you know, that I could I could give birth to a serial killer, or I could give birth to the next Trump, or whatever. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> uh, so I just think it is a cool um, sort of. It, it's a cool concept to dive into mm. and um and i feel like there's a lot of there's a lot of open doors to explore there um and yeah i don't know i don't know why i gravitate towards that but i think because also you know if you're playing death metal um i i think the birth of that of that mm. is uh, is equally as important as the death side of it so mm. i like i like <laughs> talking about the birth in death metal <laughs> yeah yeah well, no, no. equally gory yeah yeah absolutely yeah, yeah maybe yeah. more so actually yeah yeah and again it's to just be contradictory to the genre you know mm -hmm. everyone's talking about death and i'm talking about birth so <laughs> you know so we talked before about like you know violence and gore and stuff like that and you know we're saying that there's not a lot of gore in your lyrics but there's also not a lot of swear words um yeah i was wondering is this something that happened by chance or is this again something that you've like try to avoid i definitely try to avoid it i just when I hear it in the genre, it kind of makes me cringe a bit. And mm. some bands can pull it off like Dying Fetus when they say fuck, it's just great. Mm. Um, <laughs> but I just, again, like it's it's the sci-fi thing too. And it's taking people out of the story. Mm. And I feel like it just puts like a timestamp on whatever you're writing. You know, like I don't want to reference. And, and that's the difference. Like and Stephen King loves to reference, like he'll write about Pepsi, a can of mm -hmm. Coke for like four pages. Um, <laughs> and that's a great technique. But I, but then there's the opposite side of that, which is like Lovecraft, where it's like, you know, this could be kind of any time or mm -hmm. any play. Uh, and and I like that where because that helps you create that your own image of of, you know, what's happening. So I feel like, uh, you know, swearing in a song just immediately pulls you out of the fiction, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so that's why I try to not do it. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I feel like it's kind of a cop out. Like, I swear all the time but I feel like you're just throwing like, it's just throwing gratuity in something that could otherwise be, you know, kind mm. of seen as, as, as a piece of literature rather than just like a, an angry metal song, you know? Well, it's interesting you say that because a few musicians that we've spoken to have said that they want the language that they use in their lyrics to be kind of distinguishable from the language that they've used in everyday conversation. Is that also part of it? Yeah, uh, for sure. And, and that goes back to me not wanting people to think about me when they're reading what I wrote, mm. you know, and, and so I am not, yeah, I'm really going on the far, far end of the spectrum and just really not putting myself into my writing at all. Like, um, 
which is, uh, I guess, I don't know if that's a, a common technique, but it's something that I just, I feel it, it allows me to be more creative because I don't have to involve myself in it. This shit's just going on and it's got nothing to do with me. <laughs> <laughs> One other um, thing that we noticed in your lyrics, not uh, all the time, but there does seem to be a bit of a tendency for alliteration. Like you have lines like, uh, mm -hmm. the machine masturbates metallic insects while mocking us. This pit mm -hmm. in the past and I the present. Uh, capillaries crawl from my rodent skin like centipedes or uh, you know, very straightforwardly animated automatic anatomy attack. Uh, yeah. Is this repetition something that you intend to put into your music or does it happen by chance? Uh, yeah, that is just if I it's just kind of playing around with the with the line mm -hmm. itself. Uh, and that is a definite influence from uh, from speed rap. That's a very oh, common okay. thing they do in mm -hmm. rap. Um, and I like to put it in there just sort of, it's kind of a playful thing that, you know, it's mm -hmm. to just kind of entertain myself while I'm writing. Mm -hmm. If I get, if I'm getting like bored from like four hours in and I'm like, Oh, let's just do this. And uh, <laughs> so it just sort of like, yeah, it's just like a little, yeah, just something to kind of entertain myself. And what it also does, <clears throat> um, I think it translates well with, with the music um, mm -hmm. and it, and it kind of, and people that are really into rap, they they take those uh, mostly from like like they, those stand out for them, and they'll be like, oh man, you're like you're, you, are you a rapper or something? And and it comes from that, like you know, the alliteration and, and techniques like that, where it's just kind of uh, uh, you know uh, paying homage to that genre, I guess. Does it actually serve a practical purpose then? Like, is it, I don't know, not being a vocalist myself, but is it easier to uh, produce like, like like really dense lyrics if there is that alliteration? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it can help speed, but it can also slow speed down depending on okay. which which one. Um, so sometimes I'll do it as a challenge mm -hmm. uh, and just to to try to, you know, to try to push myself. Um, and then sometimes it's like, okay, this just flows better with my mouth. Like this just works. Uh, and it just has a good sound. And so a lot of the writing is, it does come into like sound as a factor, mm -hmm. you know, and, and just like one, one of the things I, I love the most when I hear in other bands is like, when you hear a word and the meaning is completely gone because of how they sing it, you know? And so like, like, I don't, I, I want to give an example, but you know, like I have a cousin named justice and I don't think about the word justice when I call him justice. Mm. Like it's just mm -hmm. his name. Mm -hmm. And when I hear that in songs, for some reason, it like stimulates this part of my brain. And I'm like, yeah, like, I, I don't know. I just like that. So whenever I can accomplish that, like through alliteration or, you know, through just like cramming two words together and it becomes a different mm -hmm. word. Um, I just, I really want to go for that anytime that I, that I can just, and it's just straight up, like just brain candy, like it's just for fun. <laughs> mm -hmm. So um, yeah, I suppose if we can ask like um, as a kind of final question um what do you think is like the fundamental purpose of the lyrics in your music um or you know more broadly in a genre like extreme metal uh the purpose mm -hmm. yeah um i would say to just to to entertain to honestly just to entertain and um to stimulate to stimulate someone like mm -hmm. um just really um i i'm i'm a firm believer in like escape and and entertainment and myth mm -hmm. i think like and, and it doesn't mean you don't take anything away, but you're, you know, you're stimulated by something that you don't need to immediately study. You can, if you want. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, it's just the, it's the pure experience of just, uh, you know, uh, taking something in and just 
and and really just consuming it and it being entertained by it and being stimulated. So that's kind of what I go for. I'm like, what could be the most stimulating thing for someone that listens to this music to hear, you know? And that kind of is like my end goal, just to entertain people. Basically, I'm hmm. just like a clown, basically. <laughs> Uh, and is that kind of what you're going to like you're trying to contribute to like the extreme metal genre as well yeah absolutely yeah um to just you know like we it's kind of like we all wanted to do something more extreme and mm -hmm. and speed was an avenue that we could take um and i was like for me i was like how can i do something that i haven't heard before um and I just put two things together. It was like, okay, here, now I can do, I can mix speed rap and death metal. Mm -hmm. And I haven't heard much of that before. So that will be a new thing that people will like or absolutely hate, um, <laughs> mostly the latter. But, um, uh, you know, and, and so I kind of took that avenue because I wanted to entertain the most amount of people. And I mm -hmm. just, you know, and that's kind of the whole goal is to just have as many people as possible listen and hopefully enjoy it. And, uh, you know, and I, I just love science fiction and horror and uh, and I want someone else to hear us and get into it, too, and, and just uh, be able to make those images in their brain that they couldn't get from just going on their phone. So you definitely if if there was a preference, you definitely want them to uh, go in and, and look and read the lyrics and, and engage with them. Beyond, you because know, with extreme metal, obviously, you don't hear the the full range of the lyrics the first time you give the song a listen. Uh, so, I mean, if, if you had a choice, would you definitely want them to to read what you've written and give it a, a bit of a, a think? I would love it. I absolutely would love it. Yeah, um, I, I hope that that happens more. Um, mm -hmm. But again, I understand why it doesn't because when I dive into that, it can really make or break a band for me. So. Um, so, and that's kind of why I don't want to alienate people. I, I hope that mm -hmm. someone likes the music, they read the lyrics and they're not disappointed, you know? And that's, uh, that's like, yeah, that's, that's the end game that they're like, Oh fuck. I, they're actually, the lyrics are cool too. And he's not just talking about fuck and shit and <laughs> killing people. <laughs> so when will yeah. we have a chance to uh, check out the lyrics of the new album? When is that going to come out? Um, so we, we're doing, we're working on a music video right now. That's going to be really cool. Uh, that we're really excited about um, uh, and we're gonna I think release a single in July will be the first single oh. uh, and then I'll be able to put lyrics out for that nice um, and I, I'm really stoked on on the lyrics for it um, for the album I did the same thing uh, for this album and just locked myself away uh, and just went crazy um, <laughs> and I'm really stoked about them uh, and there's some cool little like uh, little homages in there. Um, uh, one of them is to the Pixies. I uh, wrote a song based on a Pixies song. Okay. Um, <laughs> and, and, a, and then a song uh, is based on a Coulter Wall song. I don't know if you guys have heard of Coulter Wall. No. Um, he's, uh, he's a country musician who's okay. got the, the most amazing voice you've ever heard. If I'll you, uh, yeah, you should check out Coulter Wall. He's, uh, yeah, he's phenomenal. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I, there's a few uh, little uh, little hints in there for uh, for, for references. So, uh, yeah, awesome. hopefully you guys enjoy <laughs> yeah. it. I, yeah. I gotta ask that. Did did you repeat the egg diet again when you locked yourself away for this one? Or I I did. Yeah, oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's great because you want to finish writing. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> if you really want to get out, it's not enjoyable. You just want to get done and, and get finished. So, yeah, I got a little Guantanamo Bay writing fucking it and going on in my house. So. <laughs> Sounds absolutely miserable. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, uh, it, hey, it works for me. I wish I could just sit down and have a coffee and fucking not worry about it. But, but uh, yeah. So I'll, I'll I'll send you the I'll send you guys that stuff when it comes out. Yeah, yeah please yeah. do. Um, and in the meantime, yeah. like, where can um, listeners go to find out more about um, Archfire, your music, when release dates are, and tour dates when that's eventually a possibility? Oh yeah, um, we do have a tour planned for Europe uh, in November, which it looks oh, like cool. it's going to happen. Nice. So awesome. Everyone, get your fucking shots. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, and you can just find news on like our Instagram page uh, and our Facebook page and on their label Season of Mist page as well. Um, yeah, so we got a lot of cool stuff coming up. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. It. I'll post those links in the description of the um, episode as well. Awesome. That's great. Well, it's really awesome talking to you guys. I hope yeah. that uh, you weren't uh, too annoyed by me. <laughs> no, this was no, fascinating. It was brilliant. Thank yeah. you very much for your time. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's Sweet. awesome talking to you guys today. Yeah. No, thanks. This was, this was lovely. Yeah, you too. Uh, really appreciate your time. Yeah. Wicked. Awesome. Yeah. Well, you guys have a great day. Yeah. Yeah, you uh, too. Come to Australia when you can. Yeah. <laughs> We're going back. We're going back as soon as we can. Awesome. Said you might for life. <laughs> yeah. We'll see you there. Awesome. <laughs> see you guys. Take care. See you. Thank you for listening to Lingua Rutalica. We hope you enjoyed it and we hope you stay tuned for our next episode. Before we leave, we just wanted to acknowledge that this podcast is recorded on the unceded lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. <laughs>